Welcome to Citizens Midweek, a podcast for our church family in Charlotte, North Carolina, where we take a deeper look at this week's sermon. I'm your host, Jacob Kirby. Today, I'm joined by two guests, our pastor, Tim Olson, and a church member and friend, Stephen Simmons. Here we go. of our sermon series working through the book of Ephesians. We looked this week at Ephesians chapter 5 verses 1 through 14 and and basically just kind of outlined um, God's view, God's outline, God's understanding um, of what sex is and is not for. So Paul in the passage kind of addresses the church and, you know, the fact that God has given the church uh, a biblical sexual ethic and, and given them boundaries for sex and those things are good. And good for us. And, you know, in the sermon, we talked about how the idea of, you know, our sexual ethic as Christians is actually rooted in creation and Genesis. So in the sermon, we kind of outlined a few different things. The first thing was we talked about the difference between lust and love. We talked about how Paul calls us to not even have a hint of sexual immorality amongst us. Among the saints, there should be no sort of, you know, sexual sin or idolatry there. And then really, we kind of wrapped up the sermon talking about some responses that Christians should have towards sexual sin. Um, the first was to flee sexual immorality, that this is one of the only things that the Bible specifically says to flee from in light of its sinfulness. Um, the second thing was to confess our sexual immorality to one another. So if we have any sexual sin, um, we should confess it to one another in the context of our Jesus following community. And the third thing was to have a view of sex that's actually biblical, a view of sex that's rooted and what the Bible says about it. So those were kind of the main, you know, flyovers for the sermon. The part for me that stuck out the most was that second thing that we talked about was that, you know, the biblical call for us is to not even have a hint of sexual immorality amongst us. Um, I just thought that was a really, you know, apt and unique way to talk about it that I've not really heard of. Specifically, I think you talked about like, and this isn't necessarily what the biblical Greek means, but you're kind of talking about how you when you think about don't have a hint you're thinking about like in baking and cooking when you say just a pinch just a hint or whatever um don't even have a pinch of this amongst you and i think the the passage even says like this sin should not even be named among you um it shouldn't even be in our conversations about the church because that's how far away from it we should be but i know for me personally i tend to enjoy (laughs) i tend to appreciate things that other people might think are legalistic so whenever, I mean, I'm a rule follower at heart. So whenever we were kind of talking about it and you were giving some examples about how people have uniquely decided for them that they won't have a hint of sexual sin in their lives. To me, that's always really encouraging and engaging of like, oh, I never would have thought about following Jesus might mean doing this very specific thing. Not watching me, girl. Right, right. And obviously some people are like, that's really legalistic. But, you know, to me, it's like, oh, I I really appreciate when somebody voices a way to follow Jesus that is specific that I've not considered. And of course, I have to check for legalism. Not watching New Girl doesn't make me a Christian. But that's kind of what stuck out to me. I thought that was a really, you know, compelling part of the sermon. But what about you, Tim? Anything that stood out to you in particular while you were preparing for this one? Yeah. So I was talking about this even this morning um, with somebody that was just like encouraging me like, Hey, this stuck out to me and, and I really appreciate your sermon and all this. And I think just the nature of verse four, right? So Paul talks about, you know, no foolish talking, no crude joking, all of this. And then just his response or like means of pushing back against sexual immorality in our lives and not saying self-control, but rather saying Thanksgiving. Right. And I think that's so compelling to me, that picture of one of the ways we fight against sexual sin, obviously is self-control, right? Like denying our flesh, saying no to our desires and all of that. But one of the ways we fight against sexual immorality is through Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. right? Not being driven by discontentment for what we don't have, but being grateful to God for what he has given us. 
uh, in our salvation, our adoption, our forgiveness, but also in the day-to-day stuff of life. And just this idea that, um, you know, lust comes from this spirit of what do I not have that I need Mm. in order to feel belonging, in order to feel meaning, in order to feel validation or self-gratification or any of that, but to rest myself and root myself in gratitude to God for how much He's given me and how much He has loved me. And so that really stuck out to me of like, oh... This seems at first glance really random that Paul's saying all this like prohibitions and barriers around sex. And then he's like, but you need to be thankful. Right. right? And just that piece of like kind of the two pros that he gives in the passage are be thankful and bring it to the light. Right. Right. And just how powerful both of those things can be in our fight against lust and sexual immorality. I think that's even interesting in the ways that I've heard conversations about like people that are struggling with whether or not maybe some deviant sexual behavior behaviors are biblical. It's like, well, this is natural to me. Why can't I enjoy what people who maybe have, you know, a heterosexual view of sexuality find natural to them. And I've just always thought it was really, I don't know, messy that that's the finish line. It's like having what somebody has, like, where is that the, the finish line for us in any other category? But when we turn on its head, it's like, don't necessarily like we're don't obsess with, with obtaining what feels desirable to you, but we could be thankful for the, hundreds of other thousands of other spiritual blessings that we have to help us kind of reframe expectations. Yeah. But that's the, I mean, that's the sin nature, right? Our sin nature always wants what we don't have. Right. right? That's just a part of covetousness is this, uh, sin that is mentioned so often in scripture that we don't talk about right. nearly as much as it's mentioned from the Bible of uh, this wanting something, desiring something in a sinful way that you do not have or are not meant to have. Yeah. And that's a huge part of the of life, right? right? Not just like we think of covetousness as like that car that I want, like I want a right. Tesla, whatever. But covetousness is all of like the job that somebody else has that I want, the spouse, right? Yeah. Just this idea of even being well, desire married. desire for good things like marriage and, and yeah. sexual expression. Absolutely. Like, those are good things in the right context. Yeah. Um, what are you, Stephen? What, what, what jumped out to you from the sermon on Sunday? Well, um, <laughs> welcome, Hi. welcome, Stephen. Hey, it's welcome, Stephen. Other person in the room. Um, <laughs> That's amazing. I really appreciated the recognition of. I mean, I think what we were talking about with with New Girl, even, and just like a willingness to not apply these large legalistic. Uh, categories of like uh oh netflix none of it gotta cut right. all of that out of my life and like being willing to be mature and honest enough to say what shows can i not watch that's fine if other people are watching it and i don't get to say you are wrong to watch this um in the same way that you know i mean there's a difference between having an honest conversation with someone about like hey man uh what why are you watching this you know I know it's not on anymore, but Game of Thrones was the big one. Where it's just like, why are we watching this? Are we watching mm-hmm. it because it's a good story or because we know we can see stuff, you know, or because or we know there's certain scenes in there? It's like, what is the intent? What is the heart behind wanting to watch this? Um, and, and so for me, it's like, ideally, if I sit down with any one of you and we go through the shows that we are watching or are avoiding, it should look pretty different because sure. we each know our heart and what is unhelpful. Uh, for us specifically sure. in ways that just might not the shows that might be really unhelpful for me to watch are different than the shows that are really unhelpful sure. for you to watch you know and, and vice versa kind of giving people a category to you know encourage them to step into developing a personal conscience that might be personal to an extent mm-hmm. but we share underneath it a foundation of we have these biblical truths that we hold as right. as 
you know, absolute as fundamental. And then out of these biblical truths, then we can step into, well, because of what we agree on, what's helpful for me, you know, yeah. what's helpful for you. And that's part of, I, I was reading an article a few months ago about this recapturing of virtue in the mm-hmm. Christian life that I think speaks to a lot of this, this right. nuance of like the debate, even around Game of Thrones. Cause I, I mean, I was in seminary at the time. And so it was all over the place right. of like all these oh, seminary sure. students feeling really good about themselves for not watching it. Albert but, Moeller having a contentious opinion about something. Never in pop happens. <laughs> but one of the debates was like sin or not, right? Like that was Thing. It was like, right. like either you're sinning and you're watching it or you're not like it just there was no category of nuance of virtue and then mm-hmm. anything that looks like virtue in the christian life right now we just throw this legalism barrier right. on it and we just say well like well no we're grace people so we don't do the legalism thing and we don't have any category for right. uh there's got to be these things that we say yes or no to not out of legalism which is not uh legalism is earning god's approval it's mm-hmm. not good healthy rigidity in the Christian right. life. And we don't have a category for, Hey, I'm saying yes to this or no to this out of a desire to live a holy life right. into response to the good news of the gospel. And we've just lost that ability to have right. that like, Hey, this show, it might be off limits for me and that's okay. And that's actually not legalism for me to be okay with some of these different boundaries right. that I'm willing to submit to the Holy spirit and yield to with that common foundation of like, also you can't use that justification to go, Oh great. Well, porn's wrong for you, but it's not wrong for me. It's like, <laughs> right. no, it's Christians. We got some, we got some, some biblical foundations. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. It's really fun to play the game of how are other people sending, right? But, but it's <laughs> better to just spend some time intentionally thinking about what am I intaking and spent because I, I watched game of Thrones and I enjoyed it. And I, uh, intentionally do not partake in watching shows like The Bachelor and The Bachelorette because I know that those shows in a unique way would be unhelpful for me yeah. in a way that I'm not as concerned watching a show like Game of Thrones. Sure. And at the same time, what I've told people is it's like, I really enjoyed this show. I'm not recommending it to everyone. Right. There are some people that I'm like, hey, you should not watch this. And that sucks. And it's, but that's, that's life. And that's, that's the Christian walk is recognizing sure. I must abstain from certain things because I know my heart and I know right. what is triggering and not triggering for me. Yeah. Yeah, And at some point we've misapplied the weaker brother, Mm -hmm. right? We've misapplied this teaching from scripture, first Corinthians uh, eight, right. About like this idea of, or first Corinthians six about this idea of like the weaker brother, like don't cause your, your, your brother to stumble. Mm -hmm. And we just assume, well, if I can watch this or if you can't watch this, that means you're weak and I'm strong and mature. And for some reason we've equated maturity with the ability to do more of these middle ground. What do we do things instead of going, Hey, sometimes the deeper maturity is to actually say no to it. Like we've acquainted like, well, if I can watch game of Thrones, it's because I'm mature and you're not. And it's like, (laughs) well, that's that's unfair and unhelpful. And sometimes that means that, that, actually maturity is saying no to this. And some of that comes, we need some Christian love and some Christian wisdom to go. Yeah. Sometimes maturity means we can step into more of these Christian Liberty things. Sometimes Christian maturity means we step into less of them and not just equating a one for one with, well, you're weak. That's why you can't watch this. And it's like, I don't think that's a fair assumption. Well, isn't that kind of the biblical ethic of sexual sin is that in Christ we are free to abstain. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. like we're free to say no to something that we were powerless to say no to without, you know, the Holy spirit working is, I think I was, I'm also just thinking like we, we put up this false dichotomy of like, we're giving people two options and it's hedonism or puritanism. <laughs> like you're either a hedonist or you're like a pilgrim who has yeah. no earthly pleasure. Yeah. And that's like, not really the argument at all. Yeah. Yeah. So Stephen, I appreciate you joining on, man. I said this on Sunday and I meant it um, from stage, but I just appreciate your vulnerability in this area. Uh, I think 
what is so beneficial to our church is having people that are willing to own the the depths of their sin and just being able i mean just to, the courage in the gospel to be on video and to say uh in front of 65 people in the room this is who i am and these are my struggles and i mean i just so appreciate that and also thanks again for being willing to talk about it some more on a podcast um but would love to just hear and deep dive a little bit more into your story and there's a few particular things i'm really interested in and would i think would be really helpful for our people um, but if you could just kind of give kind of just the 30 second flyby overview of your kind of sexual sin and your walk with this and some of the freedom that you've experienced. Um, and I got a few questions I'm, I would love to ask. Yeah, um, sure. So, I mean, more or less, it was just that I think for most of my life, I really did not think I had an issue at all. I, I thought that, um, yeah, lust was present in my life. And, and yeah, I was thinking and, and feeling things and, and wanting to act on those things in a way that did not seem in line with what I knew was true about Jesus and how he's called me to live. But I, I didn't think that I really had an issue. And I, and I heard the ways that people around me were indulging in pornography, masturbation, and the ways that they were they were acting out. And it's like, well, my sin doesn't quite look like that. So I don't know if I'm, I have the same issue they have. I don't, I don't know if there's, you know, if I should be as concerned as, as these other people should be from my perspective or whatever. And then, um, but as time went on, um, especially in college, it just really came out of like, no, this is, this is a real problem. And I really kind of took a nosedive into sexual immorality and just really indulging in lust, pornography, masturbation, sexual fantasy, um, all of that. And, uh, just really took a nosedive, um, ended up kind of hitting a rock bottom moment. And then through that and through the events that transpired around that ended up entering into, um, some programs that were just centered on, uh, sexual addiction and kind of re- some some of them were more recovery esque and some of them were more almost rehab esque but just these programs to help kind of get a handle on and recover from sexual addiction and learn to to live with uh, and fight against that um, and and so um, and that was a few years ago and so I've been kind of in those programs ever since and and been in a community that holds me accountable to that and that I'm I'm regularly checking in in those things and and just intentionally not allowing there to be a lid on that anymore and just intentionally um, communicating where am I at with that? When is it, when is it a good week? When is it a really bad week? Um, And just making sure that I'm held accountable and and just um, really daily checking in with God and with people around me about, about that. What was it like for you to really make that decision or maybe it wasn't decision, maybe it was forced upon you where you were just like, uh, this is outside of the bounds of just a sin I struggle with. This is what I would classify full on addiction to the point where I gotta, I gotta go to like how, what was going on internally within you, uh, to really get to a point where you could admit that such that you would take the steps to join the group, to, uh, be open about it, to really own that. Um, you know, I mean, even one of the, I think it's the first step of the 12, right. Is to admit you have a problem. Sure. Right. And so what, it, just talk to me about your heart and all that. Honestly, I, I think what it came to is it came to a point where I was genuinely afraid of myself, I think, and genuinely afraid of the actions that I was doing. <laughs> and, you know, I, a passage that I've gone to regularly over the last few years and, and I think really spoke to that that season of really coming to, to grips with the fact that, oh, this is an issue. This is not just kind of weird or, or unpleasant behavior. This is a problem. Um, and it was really that Romans seven, just kind of desire of like, I, I want to do this, but I'm doing this and I'm frustrated. This is happening even though I want this. And it, it really felt like there were two Stevens fighting for control of the wheel. And there was this Steven that's like, no, you were called to live in this way. You were called to, to exemplify these 
characteristics. And then there was this other Steven that's just like, no, that's hard. This feels really good. This feels better. This feel, this is more fun. This is more satisfying. This gets me what I want quicker. I, and it was just this, and I was really scared because there was this sense of like, if I don't get this out of, like, I don't know what direction I'm going. I don't, I don't, I'm afraid of myself. I'm afraid of this battle that's going on internally. And, hmm. and I just been sitting on it for so long and just unwilling to bring it to, I'll talk to my uh, small group about pride. I'll talk to my small group about covetousness. I'll talk about greed. I'll talk about anything except this because I'm convinced I have a handle on it and that it's not as big a problem as other people. And, and it really was just that, Oh gosh, I, I'm skipping class. I'm, uh, I'm changing my schedule and prioritizing acting out over just normal parts of doing life. You know, I'm totally disconnected from conversations because I'm in fantasy. Um, I am unable to focus on any task because my brain wanders because my eyes are wandering. Um, I'm taking the longest way to class possible just so that I can see more beautiful women and, and, and just ogle and objectify these people. Like just, there are so many things where it's like my whole life is like, changing to to accommodate this instead of uh the way of jesus and instead of uh church family and yeah it was just that place of real fear and of like oh if i don't surrender this if i don't get out of myself i don't know where this is going hmm. thanks for sharing that we've uh, we've talked about this a little bit um but what is the the danger in saying I'm a sexual addict. Like, so you're talking about those two natures within you, sure. right? Like what could be the, some of the temptation or danger or pull mm-hmm. in, uh, okay. There's almost like there's two Stevens. What can be kind of the, the, the good in that, but what could also be the problem in the temptation with that? Sure. I mean, on a, so there, I think there's like a, a personal, what happens when I personally say I'm a sex addict. And then also what does it happen when someone hears me say I'm a sex addict? Here's what that, so there's two issues. And personally, uh, I really have to fight to not make that the identity. That is me, Steven, the sex addict that I fight that all the time. And it, it's the, I'll be in a conversation with a person. It's like, man, if you knew, if you knew what I've done, if you know what I've thought, you would not be having this conversation with me. And, and I love, it, it's really easy to like, uh, um, to just kind of be, oh, I want to be Stephen the funny guy and nothing else. Don't know anything apart from me except, oh, he does goofs sometimes and he's, he's a wacky guy to have around. And as long as that's it, great. We don't have to get any deeper and that can be fine and I can coast through that. And, and, and I really struggle with, with that and, and just remembering that, no, my identity is child of God, image bearer, fearfully, wonderfully made. It is not sex addict who has done X, Y, Z. It is not lustaholic who has, who has thought this and, and done this. Um, I'm not defined by those actions. So, so that's the personal. It's really fighting that acknowledging that is different than identifying as that, I guess. Um, that's the personal. I think the others based is just if, if I struggle with lust and I hear someone else say I'm an addict and here's what that looks like, I can quickly say, oh, well, those behaviors are not my behaviors. Uh, mine's not as bad as that. So I, I probably don't need to give this the attention that you're giving this. Or I don't need to think about this in the same way that you're thinking about it. Because, yeah, I mean, yeah, I look at porn. Yeah, I, I, I uh, masturbate. But it's only once or twice a week. It's only in this particular setting. So, um, And what you're describing sounds far worse. And it sounds far more serious. And so it sounds like that's something you really need to work on. And I'll work on other stuff. And so because we always want to play that game of like measuring ourselves against other people. And um, Paul can say he's the worst of sinners, but I'm not. I'm not actually that. You're maybe you're the worst of sinners. I, I'm one of the worst, but I'm certainly not what you're saying. So there's that temptation to just be like, oh, well, your thing is not my thing. So I don't have to 
I don't have to face this the same way that you are. Yeah, that's good. I think about um, this temptation too. I know in my own struggles with sin, uh, my own struggles with with uh, you know even thinking about Romans seven in my own life in different ways that I see that play out. I think about this like almost thinking about my sin nature as this other thing, right? Hmm. This like, okay, well, the sin nature, like I have three enemies and none of them are me. <laughs> it's like the world, the flesh and the devil, but even the flesh isn't me. The flesh is this outside right, thing. Right. And so my, you know, my sexual addiction or my temptation or this or that is this other thing that is doing something to me instead of like me right. <laughs> choosing this and right. me, me internally wanting this thing. It can almost become like I'm a victim to the devil. I'm a victim to the world and I'm a victim to my sin. And it's like in some ways, yeah, right. In some ways, like the sin nature does have a hold on us. In other ways, also we have to own our own responsibility in things, our own sin in things, our own desire and choosing to those, to do those things where even thinking about Romans seven, where Paul's talking about, you know, what I want to do, I do not do. And what I do not want to do, I do. He still says, I do it. Like mm-hmm. it's still yeah. me that chooses to go after this thing. Um, and I think there's just so much freedom in that, even in thinking about Galatians or not in Galatians, uh, Romans six, right? Right before Romans seven, where Paul talks about like, yeah, but also we're not slaves to sin, right? right? Like we are, we've been set free from the bondage of sin and now we're actually slaves to God. We're mm-hmm. actually now, um, pulled by him in this direction of, of holiness and righteousness. And I think about even this, like it can be easy. Like you were saying to define myself as like my first identity is not in Christ. My first identity is the sex addict. My first identity is sinful. My first identity is broken rather than going the good news of the gospel is yeah, we have sin and we struggle and we mess up and perfection is on the other side of eternity. But our first and foremost identity is blood bought son or daughter of God and learning to live in light of that identity. Um, first and foremost. Yeah. That's really good, man. Thanks for thanks for sharing more of your story. I'm, I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for um, the role that you play in our church. Any encouragement to anybody who finds themselves where I just, man, it just feels like this sexual sin is unbeatable. I don't know what to do. Any just encouragement, whether it be something from the sermon on Sunday or whether that just be from your own life that you would just say like, hey, this is just a really easy next step or a really maybe a hard next step, but a, a necessary next step. Yeah. Um, I think a good... With with lust and certainly just with any unbeatable seeming sin is just to remember that like um, with the Bible, we actually get to, we already know the ending, but uh, we get to the spoilers are already there. We know that Jesus hmm. is victorious and that the sin is defeated. So there's, there's no uh, what's going to happen really. It's no, we know what's going to happen. Uh, God's going to be victorious. And so there is hope in that all sin is defeated. Satan is defeated. The lies that he is spinning now, the, the falsehoods that, that you may or believe that you may be believing right now, whatever it is like, uh, those will be defeated on the final day. And, and there is hope in that, um, a a recognition that lust. And for me, I was practicing the habit of lusting daily for two decades of my life. So of course it's going to be hard to, to reshape my habits and behaviors. It, it, Mm. we get really frustrated if it's like, Oh, I recognize this sin in my life. And then three weeks later, dang it, we're still doing the same thing. Why isn't it gone yet? Yeah. (laughs) It's like, you've been doing this for 15 years. Give yourself a break. Yeah. It's like God, God walked with the Israelites and their absurdity for 40 years in the desert. And then all the other generations of their (laughs) own habitual sin. Yeah. It takes a while to reform and to relearn behaviors. And, and so just being willing to give yourself a break and recognizing that like the path to recovery and and the path to victory from this is not like a a slave driver path. It's not a harsh, vindictive, Mm. legalistic. Why aren't you doing better? It's a gentle grace filled path. It's a 
Jesus meets you on the worst days and on the best days with the same open armed attitude of like, no, you're my son. I love you. You know, when the prodigal son walks back, he hasn't done anything to to imply to his dad that he's changed, but his dad still runs to meet him, you know? So it's like, Jesus meets us with the same attitude um, on the best days and on the worst days. And a recognition that God wants to give the things that you are seeking through your lust in better ways and in longer lasting ways. Um, the way that I've heard it said is, is lust and acting out is brief comfort, lasting pain. You know, it's not a good ratio. It's like we, we quickly get the the satisfaction and the comfort and the approval and the affirmation and the, and the elation. Like, like those are all there and those come from acting out, but they're fleeting. And then after that is the disgust is the pain is the shame is the sadness is the, the need for more and more dramatic and, um, recognizing that God wants to give you comfort, affirmation, approval, love, joy, hope, peace, all of those things in better, longer lasting ways. And it, it takes longer and it's harder work, but it's ultimately more fruitful than indulging in sex and, and acting out. Yeah. It's this kind of almost, uh, upside downness of the kingdom that like you have to first minimize your sin at the foot of the cross almost, you know what I mean? Just like you have to see how good the gospel is for you in order to be able to be honest about how broken that sin actually is, right? That it's running to the bigness of the gospel, the bigness of God's love for you that you're then actually able to be freed up, right? Because we think it's the other way around. We think like you were saying, we hide Mm -hmm. in order to receive love, but actually it's the opposite. Like we open ourselves up with all of the brokenness to receive actual love, actual redemption, actual healing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Stephen, once again, thanks so much for being being on. I appreciate you. Appreciate you sharing your story and the, and the courage and willingness to do that. Um, real quick, Jacob, before I, I'll throw great. it back to you, I'm taking over hosting duties. I You're do what doing I want. Great. You're um, doing great. I don't mind at all. I just want to say a, a quick note to. Um, our church is really blessed and that we have a lot of uh, married folks and single folks. And that, that's a, that's a gift. And I want to acknowledge that. And I think um, just a, a quick kind of parting challenge and then we can, we can wrap up. Um, we need each other in this, like married folks and single folks. We need each other in this. It, it does a disservice to think that we can't speak into uh, this aspect of each other's lives because of different life stages. And so, um, just the most helpful thing we can do is to meet each other where we're at, to be family together. And so married folks, uh, your single friends don't need you to devalue sex. They need you to elevate the value of sex right. and to meet them where they're at and, and say like, this is, this is tough. Like this is hard. Um, and single friends, do you need to speak into the married li- the lives of your married friends? One of the things that I've noticed, um, as a pastor walking with people for a number of years now is this reality that we in our sin nature always want to do what's opposite of God's design. And so hmm. that means before we're married, God's design is to not have sex. And so all we want to do is have sex. <laughs> and once we, are married god's design is to have sex and so we don't want to have sex anymore and we get surprised by this but it's part of our sin nature and part of the fall and so we need each other this has is one of those taboo subjects within the church like money uh like parenting where it's just like we're not talking about this like this is off limits and agree and it's like we just uh, by the grace of god and by the goodness of the gospel by the power of the holy spirit we have to be able to press into this together and to serve each other in this and to come around each other and to help each other whether single or married we have to value both paul values both in in first corinthians the bible values both uh, throughout the narrative and so we have to value both and so you have a place at the table to us to walk through this together and to serve each other and to help each other yeah no that's great for sure we always do it better together because that's the way we're designed for yeah that's really great 
Well, thanks for joining us today, guys. That's all we have time for on this quick, light commuter podcast we've got apparently going for us. Um, thanks Hopefully for- you're driving around your office in circles. <laughs> right. Thanks for joining us, though. We'll, uh, we'll see you next time.